So what exactly is this Rule 702? And how is this amendment going to affect the testimony and the admissibility of expert witness testimony in court? So let's take a look. As of today, this is how Rule 702 reads. And let's start by breaking it down. Rule 702, it begins by saying that a witness who is qualified. So first of all, it applies to witnesses and not just any witnesses. Witnesses who are qualified as an expert. And how are you qualified as an expert? By your knowledge, skill, experience, training or education. So there are multiple ways in which a witness can be qualified as an expert. But only being qualified does not mean that the testimony is going to be admitted. There's more to it. The first requirement is that a qualified expert should also have scientific, technical or other specialized knowledge which you are sharing with the court. And this specialized knowledge will help the trier of fact. So that's the helpfulness re requirement for expert testimony under 702. After that, the next requirement is that the testimony has to be based on sufficient facts or data. So just because you are qualified and just because you have some specialized knowledge, which may seem helpful, it, it's not going to be admitted by court. There has to be a basis. Now, once you have the basis, that does not mean that you still have met all the four criteria. So there are four requirements of the rule and you have to meet all four of them. So the next one is that now this specialized knowledge, which is helpful and based on sufficient facts, also needs to be a product of reliable principles and methods. So there needs to be a scientific method or a technical method which is used in your field or otherwise but it needs to be a reliable principle and method <clears throat> which you must identify in your opinion. And you should also reliably apply this reliable principle and method. So not only does the principle and method have to be reliable, you should also reliably apply it to the facts of the case. So this is the overall requirement of Rule 702. Now let's look at the amendment and what really is changing, if anything at all. So as amended, Rule 702 is going to begin by reiterating the fact that a witness has to be qualified as an expert by their knowledge, skill, experience, training or education. So there's no change in the qualification requirement. And once you are qualified, you may testify in the form of an opinion or otherwise if this is where the first kicker comes in, which is not there right now. That if the proponent has demonstrated by a preponderance of evidence. So now the new 702 is going to put the burden of proof, the burden of establishing that you are an expert and you are qualified and you have met the other four requirements of Rule 702. Now, there are some changes to the requirements as well, which we'll see. But now, there's a new, like a clear burden 
on the party that's bringing in the expert that you have to demonstrate. And what do you have to demonstrate? So the first three um, requirements stay the same, that uh, you have specialized knowledge, which is going to help the trial of fact. Uh, the testimony is based on sufficient facts or data. The testimony is the product of reliable principles and methods. The fourth one is where they've made a change. So earlier, the fourth requirement was that the expert has reliably applied the, you know, I mean, reliably applied the methodology to the, 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 the scientific principles, the reliable principles to the facts of the case. But now, the requirement is that the expert's opinion that is being provided in court, it reflects a reliable application. And this burden to establish that there is a proper reflection that a reliable application has happened to the facts of the case, this burden is now on the party that is bringing the expert's testimony to court. So, on the face of it, it may not look like much, but it's really important to understand why the advisory committee had to think about bringing this rule, why um, this rule was proposed in the first place, why it was approved by the people who are involved in the discussions, and what are the implications that are going to be once this rule comes into play. Some courts have already started applying it. And in this episode, we are going to talk to a seasoned expert witness, uh, Mr. Michael Kaplan, who is going to walk us through the requirements of 702 and what this amendment means for experts. Michael has more than 46 years of experience in the areas of forensic accounting, business valuation, and litigation consulting. He is the principal of Michael G. Kaplan, CPA, ABV, CFF, CVA, MAFF, Forensic Valuation Advisory, and he's a senior advisor to New Meister and Associates, LLP, CPAs and advisors. He has rendered services in numerous litigation matters, including business litigation, professional malpractice matters, fraud and embezzlement, intellectual property, marital dissolution, loss of earnings, employment matters, and partner and shareholder disputes. He has qualified to testify in court as an expert witness in approximately 300 matters. Mr. Kaplan has also served as a court-appointed expert, appraiser, and accounting referee. He is actively involved in the educational field. He has served on the faculty of the Marshall School of Business and Leventhal School of Accounting at the University of Southern California. He has lectured to various bar association groups, CPA groups, appraiser groups, and other professional organizations. He has developed and presented continuing education programs, in financial and management accounting, economic damages, forensic accounting, business valuation, and the CPA's role in litigation. He has authored publications in the areas of business valuation, litigation practice marketing, valuation practice management, the accounting expert, forensic evidence, and marital dissolution. So without any further ado, let's welcome Mr. Michael Kaplan to the show. Michael, welcome to On The Stand. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, so Michael, I'll you know like jump straight on to the topic. So, the, so today we are going to talk about the upcoming amendment to Rule Seven Hundred Two. And as you are aware, the standards being changed. I mean, not so, I wouldn't call it um, like a complete change to how 
the rule is written, but more of a clarification. So let me uh, quickly, uh, you know, like once again, read the, uh, the changes that they're going to make and how the new rule is going to read. So with the amendment, rule 702, which, uh, which is testimony by expert witnesses, is going to say that a witness who is qualified as an expert by knowledge, skill, experience, training, or education may testify in the form of an opinion or otherwise if the proponent demonstrates to the court that it is more likely than not that the expert's scientific, technical, or other specialized knowledge will help the trier of fact to understand the evidence or to determine a fact in issue. The testimony is based on sufficient facts or data. The testimony is the product of reliable principles and methods. And the expert's opinion reflects a reliable application of the principles and methods to the facts of the case. So as you can see, they have made two changes. One, the proponent has to demonstrate, and two, the expert's opinion has to reflect the reliable application. So Michael, what's your take on the amendment? How do you think this is going to impact the way expert testimony is perceived by court and addressed? Well, first of all, the change is primarily a, a message to the judges, a message to the judiciary that we are dealing with two separate issues here. We're dealing with the issue of admissibility of the expert's testimony, the other issue being the weight. Yeah. And since the, the Daubert case came down in 1993, and since it was codified into Rule 702, what has happened more times than it should, is that the judges have looked at an expert, they've looked at the expert's report, you know, they, you know, they, they, they look at the, the motion to exclude the expert, and the judges say, we'll take the position, look, th this is a matter of weight, the weight of the expert's testimony, I'm going to allow it in, we'll let the jury hear it, and the jury will decide what they're going to do with it. Well, that was not the spirit of 702. Yeah. The, the spirit of 702 is that the judge is a gatekeeper. It is the judge's role to decide whether the expert's testimony meets the admissibility threshold. Yeah. And if, if it does, then it goes to the jury. Then the jury can hear the expert's testimony, the expert's opinions, and so forth. What the updated 702 does is reminds the judge that you can't just kick it to the jury. You can't just punt. You have to be the gatekeeper. And mm -hmm. that is the, the obligation of the, of the proponent, the, you know, the side that's the, the proffering the expert to demonstrate by a preponderance of evidence mm -hmm. that the, the expert's work, that the expert's methodology meets the standard, meet, meets the checklist of requirements. And 702 sets forth a checklist. So the wording was changed somewhat to be very, very clear. The, 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 uh, the amendment merely clarifies the spirit of Rule 702 as it was originally. 
And uh, when you say that the proponent has to demonstrate now, and then it also says that the expert's opinion has to reflect a reliable application of the principles. So let's say I'm an expert witness today and uh, I am, you know, I, I get, re uh, I get retained by an attorney and I prepare my report and I give my analysis in writing. And then beyond that, how do you think, you know, it like this rule impacts me? Like what am I as an expert witness doing differently today that I should, you know, like look to change or improve with this new rule coming in? Okay. First of all, pre the current amendment, before the current yeah. amendment, many times it was not uncommon. It's not uncommon for an expert to prepare his or her report, to have the report served by the appropriate date, um, for counsel mm -hmm. to go through the, the legal process to establish that, yes, the expert has a report, um, this is what the expert's testimony is going to be, this report includes all of the requirements of Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 26A2B, and then what would typically happen is either the expert would get to court and there would be a motion brought to exclude the expert and the the expert would then be put on the witness stand and or the, would or would not if the court chooses to hold a hearing mm -hmm. then the, the, the expert would be put on the stand and the expert would be asked a lot of questions to establish whether he or she in his or her work ha has met the requirements of, of 702. Okay. Mm -hmm. there, by the there, there is nothing in there that says that the expert's opinion has yeah. got to be, you know, the, the result of the reliable application of yeah. the methodology to the facts in the case. Although that was, you know, that was the spirit of it. Those words were not in there before. Yeah. Often, often, probably more often than not, what would happen is the judge would look at the motion, deny the motion, and take the position that, look, the, the, this is weight. The jury's going to hear it. If it makes sense to the jury, they will decide how much weight to yeah. give it in, in the process of arriving at their opinions, arriving mm -hmm. at their verdicts. And, and what the new, you know, the updated 702 tells us, or what tells the judges, no, 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 judge, you cannot just assume that it's all about the weight and take yeah. it to the jury. You have to be the gatekeeper and evaluate mm -hmm. the work that this expert has done as set forth in his or her report or based upon his or her live testimony in a hearing at the beginning of the trial out of the presence of the jury. And you've got to decide whether it's admissible or not. What, and it's admissible only if it meets the standard. Yeah. Only if you can tick all of the boxes yeah. on the list. So what it changes, what it changes is what the judges have to do. And that just means the judges are really, they're, they're going to take a harder look at the work that we did. That yeah. They're going to look at it. What it means for us is in our reports, when we draft the report, uh, 26A2B mm -hmm. report, yeah. uh, 
in that area, in that portion of the report, basis and reasons for opinions, there needs to be a logical explanation as to relating to the methodology and establish the, the sufficiency of the methodology and that the methodology meets the, the standards of 702 and also an application of the methodology, a reliable application of the methodology to the, to the evidence. Uh -huh. And question the judge will ask is, is this expert's opinion the logical result of using that methodology and applying it to the evidence that the expert considered? So it's a, it, we're, go, we're going to have to um, jump over some hurdles. The yeah. hurdles were there before. What's happening now is the amendment is reminding the judge that they need yeah. to put us to our paces to jump over the hurdles. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so, so I have two follow-on questions. One is, now 702 does not differentiate between a jury trial and a bench trial. So, and uh, in fact, uh, earlier today, I was reading a, uh, like a court transcript, a hearing, trans uh, a hearing transcript uh, from uh, a state court though, but it could be uh, federal courts as well, where the judge said that, uh, oh, I usually, when there's a Daubert challenge against an expert, I let the experts testify. And then after the trial, I decide if the testimony is uh, helpful or not. So now with the new amendment coming in, even if the jury is not there and it's simply a bench trial, do you think the judges will have the obligation to still apply the standard and this practice will have to change? That's the that, that's one. And I'll, I'll come to the second one, which is uh, about uh, the report writing and the, you know, and, like the compelling nature of the report. But let's uh, talk about the bench trial and the jury trial thing first. Well, in a jury trial, there is no question. We, we are mm -hmm. going to see yeah. more attention paid to the experts, methodology, application of the methodology to the evidence, um, and the logical formulation of the expert's opinion. In a, mm -hmm. in a jury trial, that, that's what we're going to see in jury trials. And that's going to happen before the jurors see anything. Yeah. In a bench trial, it's the same guy who decides on admissibility. It's the same person who decides yeah. um, whether this evidence is admissible or not, and then decides what weight is going to be applied to it. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine, I would imagine that the we are going to see more flexibility mm -hmm. in the judge's approaches to dealing with the issue of admissibility. They will deal with it. And, and I expect to see the judges dealing more proactively with the issue of admissibility rather than saying, let me hear all the evidence and then I'll make my decision because it's the same person. Yeah. You know, if, if, if the judge goes through a, a hearing, um, a, a live hearing or goes through the process of evaluating the admissibility or not. And then after that, and let's say um, the judge, let's say the judge decides that it's not admissible. Uh -huh. The judge rules that it's not admissible. And then the judge hears the testimony. You move into the trial phase without the expert. 
and the judge hears all the other evidence, and it's the same person who's reaching a decision at the end of the trial. Don't you think he or she will, to some extent, take into account those opinions and that analysis that was done by a witness that the judge excluded? The judge heard it already. You know, you can't get the toothpaste back into the tube. Right. And and that's what we're going to be dealing with. So it will be, you know, it's going to be an interesting process. By the way, this Mm -hmm. isn't going to solve all of the problems. I mean, there are going to be speed bumps along the way. And, um, you know, the system will deal with it. But Mm -hmm. we, we as experts, we as experts need to be prepared for not so much more rigorous challenges, mm-hmm. but we need to be prepared for the, for the judges paying more attention to those challenges and the judges listening to what each side has to say, listening to what plaintiff's counsel has to say, listening to what defendant's counsel has to say, listening to the expert's testimony about his or her her work, her methodology, how they arrived at their opinions, mm-hmm. the judges are going to pay more attention to that than they did in the past at that stage of the trial where it where we're dealing with admissibility. And yeah, I, I think that makes perfect sense. And now um, when you talk about the report writing, so obviously, uh, you know, like the expert begins by submitting a preliminary opinion and then they may uh, follow it up with a final report. Then comes the deposition or the trial testimony. So a lot of experts, they, uh, you know, like um, like everybody talks about how an experts need to be an edu- educator and they need to be, you know, um, like when they are deposing or when they are testifying, they should be able to explain things in simple words and they should be able to educate the jury. Now, do you think that this quality is going to be needed in the report writing as well with the new amendment coming in? My personal opinion mm-hmm. is it's a quality that should be in the report writing. Now, I, I believe that a good expert report starts with the following four words. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time. <laughs> and it ends with the following four I think this is four words, and they lived happily ever after. I mean, it tell it as a story. Mm-hmm. And I've got a lot of reasons. And I've seen, I've been through a lot of trials. I've seen a lot of experts testify. I teach the mm-hmm. art of giving expert testimony. I teach the art of storytelling in the courtroom. I, I prepare expert witnesses for trial. Mm-hmm. And The expert's role, keep in mind, the expert's role is to persuade the trier of fact to embrace his or her opinions. Now keep in mind, here's another thing to keep in mind. When that expert witness walks into the courtroom and raises his or her right hand and swears to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, From that point on, the expert has to recognize, not lose sight of the fact that his or her client at that point is the trier of fact. 
his or her client in the courtroom on the witness stand and writing the report is the trier of fact. That's who the expert is there to serve. The expert's mm -hmm. role is to assist the trier of fact in understanding the evidence and then yeah. applying the evidence through appropriate methodology to reach a logical conclusion. Mm -hmm. Just think about an expert. I'm a financial expert. Most, many of my cases, a good proportion of my cases involving my opinion as to economic damages, the damages that the company suffered because this other company um, mm -hmm. reached their contract or didn't deliver the goods on time or stole some of their employees or did whatever, whatever the defendant did. My job as an expert is to persuade the jury that my opinion is correct by demonstration, by demonstration as to the evidence. I identify the evidence that I used. I identify the assumptions that I made. I identify the methodology that I have used and why, you know, why I selected that methodology, why it's the most appropriate and why it meets all of the checklist items in 702. And then I have to persuade the jury that the conclusion that I reached, my opinion is the logical product of all of that. Mm -hmm. all right. And if I get up there or if any expert gets up there and starts speaking tech talk, they're mm -hmm. speaking a language that many of the jurors don't understand. And I've heard jurors say, if you're such an expert, why, why can't I understand what you're telling me? Mm -hmm. The jurors are not experts in the same field that the expert witnesses are. The only reason the expert is there is that typical yeah. lay people, even highly educated lay people, don't have the same background, don't have the same experiential background. Now, as a financial expert, my testimony is usually towards the end of the trial, mm -hmm. or at least towards the end of the plaintiff's case, yeah. or towards the end of the defendant's case. The financial expert's testimony often comes at a point in the trial where the jurors have heard enough already. They're tired. They're tired. They're exhausted. When is this going to be over? I want to see my family. <laughs> I've got work yeah. to do. I don't know if I still have my job. You know, all of those things are happening. And they're not listening as carefully as they are the first hour or the first two hours. Mm -hmm. That's been my experience. So, if you're on the witness stand, if any expert is on the stand giving testimony and recognizing their role is to persuade the jurors to embrace their opinion, to persuade through logic and good evidence and, and clear communications, don't you think the experts can have a much better chance if he yeah. or she can tell a story that's interesting to the jurors? You know, and in storytelling, one of the things that we that we teach in my storytelling workshops and boot camps for experts, mm -hmm. when you're on the witness stand, tell 
the jury. The jury needs to know how you went about doing your work and what were your challenges? What were your challenges and struggles? I had a problem. This was the evidence I need. I went in, I spoke with the CEO of the company and I, I was very, very clear with him that these things were critical in order for me to, to evaluate what happened and formulate my opinion. And then weeks went by and I didn't get what I asked for. And I went to my retaining counsel and he said, well, let me check with opposing counsel. And this is going on and I'm struggling here. I, I can't do it without this evidence. And it was quite a challenge to get it. But then what happened six weeks later, there was this other witness and blah, 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 blah. And this other witness had access to that same evidence. So, but if when an expert is on the stand telling his or her story, and that story has problems and challenges, what I have found is the jurors embrace those problems and challenges at their own, as their own. And, and, you know, they feel that they feel the intensity when the problem's there. And then when the solution arrives or when the expert discovers the solution, that eureka moment, the experts feel part the, the jurors feel part of it. Mm -hmm. That creates a bond. And that is critical. That is yeah. critical in a trial. If, if you don't do that, you can bore the jurors to death a bunch of numbers, with a bunch of facts, with mathematical formulas. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to boil things down to simple concepts and use analogies. Explain things to the jury in terms of real world, real world experiences that they can relate to. It's like the uh, like uh, it's like the plot of a superhero movie, and I really think that experts can be superheroes. Where mm -hmm. you know, like pretty much every uh, like every superhero, they, they are like this relatable person, but but then they have some powers, and then they get problems, and th mm -hmm. that is where the audience can relate to the superhero, and they are rooting for them to overcome those problems. They have their and when and when they are able, when they are you know like when they win at the end, that is when. Uh, like the audience is also cheering for them and is this it's a recipe for a successful movie so it's pretty much i mean i can totally see how with experts as well the jurors are looking at this person who knows more than them about the case who is there to help them understand these really uh, crucial complex um, topics help them make a, like reach a verdict and then yeah and, and i can see why the expert needs to be able to talk not in jargons, but in simple language that is digestible to the to the jury and the judge if it's a bench trial, so that they can reach a, a, a like a proper mm -hmm. conclusion. But Michael, uh, a lot of experts say, I mean, they don't say it openly, but during our discussions, I mean, we talk to a lot of experts um, every now and then, and they would say that I am a technical person. I am good at my craft. I have, you know, like my science is accurate why do you need me to be a storyteller and okay. yeah so Excuse what do you say to that no sorry go ahead. I, I get that question all the time i mean that's one of the <laughs> yeah. pushbacks that i get and that is you can't just walk into the courtroom and 
and say, this is my, this is the evidence I considered. This is the methodology that I yeah. use. This is the conclusion that I reached. And this is my opinion. And it's, my, and if you want to know why, because I said so. Well, unless, <laughs> you are the, unless you are the mother or the father of the jurors <laughs> or, the or father of the judges, because I said so, has no power behind it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It has to make sense. And the jurors are going to think in terms of if this guy really knows his or her stuff, they are going to explain it in a way that I can understand it. I have to make the decision. I have to make the decision. And if the attorney put an expert on the stand who's so good technically, who can't speak the language that I understand, what good is that expert? Look back, look at the, the, what an expert is. The expert someone who can assist the trier of fact in understanding the evidence. Right. Right? That's very simple and straightforward. Yeah. And one who can speak, one who can translate tech talk into the language of the, of the jurors, the language that's understood by the jurors, that person is the one who's going to be persuasive. Uh -huh. Your role as an expert, your role as an expert is to persuade the jury. Uh -huh. Yeah. And here's another thing that many experts, a point that I've seen many experts miss, they, they're really hung up on cross-examination. Yeah. Oh my God, the guy's going to cross-examine. Yeah. <laughs> survive cross-examination. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. If the expert does a good job of being persuasive, a good job of describing what he or she did, a good job of telling the story, a good job of bringing the jurors in, a good job of enabling the jurors to feel the tension and conflict that the expert went through, there is very little that opposing counsel can do in terms mm -hmm. of cross-examination, that's gonna change that. And, and another thing, remember, cross-examination questions, the vast majority of them can be answered with the word yes or the yeah. word no. They're yes or no questions. What is so difficult about answering yes or no, or I don't know? And as one of my one of my retaining counsel, and I'm not going to mention any names, but a very very skilled trial attorney, he said to me before I walked into the courtroom, pulled me aside. He said, "Michael, I want you to keep your cross examination answers as boring as possible. The cross exam the yeah. cross examination has got to be boring, and then it goes right over the jurors because it's not relevant, especially if you as the expert have been persuasive." Uh -huh. Do you know something else? And, and, and this all ties into what we're talking about, about the new amendment yeah. to 702. Is that the more persuasive you are and the, and the, more, the more persuasive you are, the clearer you speak, the yeah. more engaging you are, the jurors will appreciate it. But that's going to go a long way. You know, the... the they're going to make their decisions about you and about your testimony even before opposing counsel yeah. goes through his, his, his or her mm -hmm. list of yes or no questions. Yeah. 
I, I completely agree. So we've covered the what, what experts need to do. They need to be more persuasive. They need to be, you know, like don't talk in jargons, uh, be relatable. We have also covered the why. Why do they need to do it? So obviously, you know, like with the new amendment, the impetus is even, uh, you know, is even, even higher, is even greater. Now, the third aspect is how do they, you know, like how do I as an expert witness suddenly become more persuasive if I have not been that till now? Like, do you have like any, like any two or like two or three top tips that you can share? Right. I do. Number one, if you have children who are about 12 years old, mm -hmm. maybe 14, 12 or 14, <laughs> deliver your testimony to them. That part of your testimony where you are explaining something, sit your children down, explain it to them in the same terms, in the same way you're going to explain it in the courtroom. Testify before your children, see what they understood and what they didn't understand. If they can't understand it, it's likely you're not going to get through to the jurors. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that, that I'm going to suggest, when you look out at the jury, when you are on the witness stand and you're giving your testimony, look at the jury and think in your mind that you, not that you are giving testimony before six or, or 12 or 14 strangers, people you've never seen before and people you will never see again. Think of yourself giving testimony to 12 people who you love. Mm -hmm. Who do you love and how do you speak to them? The jurors will feel it when you explain things to them in the same terms, in the same way that you explain it to your loved ones. It works. It works. Yeah. I, can, I can see that working. And always be respectful. Mm -hmm. Be respectful to the jurors. Be respectful to the attorneys. Opposing counsel who may or may not try to beat up on you. And I've seen opposing counsel attempt to be a bully we as experts if we remain respectful sometimes i'll say you have to be so polite and respectful that it's almost sickening just remain mm -hmm. respectful the jury will read that they will read that as you are the good person who is trying to clarify things for the jury try to shed some light on it and this big bad attorney is trying to cloud your testimony by being mean and nasty to you. Mm -hmm. Usually opposing counsel is going to be much more respectful in trial than he or she may be in deposition. Yeah. Um, right. It, it's not uncommon that their demeanor is different. I've seen it the other way too. Um, mm -hmm. They've been very, very respectful, friendly, you know, very conversational at deposition, but they come into the courtroom and then they come at you with, you know, with both barrels. Mm -hmm. But you learn how to deal with it. As an expert, you are the expert, uh, you know, be professorly, explain things. Um, you know, th there are a lot more details to it. And it's um, I, over the years, 
over the nearly half a decade, not half a decade, half a century that I've been doing expert witness work, you know, I've come to embrace expert testimony as an art form. Mm -hmm. An art yeah. form revolving around communication. Yeah. yeah. And here's another thing that I that I strive to to reinforce in the minds of experts. Don't rely too heavily on your report. You walk into that courtroom and you take the witness stand and swear to tell the whole truth. The words that come out of your mouth are what's important uh -huh. because it is highly unlikely, highly, highly, highly unlikely that the jurors will ever read your report. Mm -hmm. They're not going to read it. Typically, it's not interesting. I mean, you and I mean, there's an advantage to writing a report that, you know, that is storytelling that, you know, that's conversational, you know, that, that's in the type of language that would make sense for the trier of fact. Much of a report, you know, an expert's report defines the four corners of what the expert can testify to. And there's a checklist as to what needs to be in the expert's report. You meet the requirements of, of the checklist. You have everything in there that you need. You come into the courtroom and it's what comes out of your mouth. The words out of your mouth while the jury is sitting in the jury box. That's either going to be persuasive or not. And I've seen so many experts try to rely upon their reports and no one's going to see it when you're in the courtroom, unless someone, you know, one of the attorneys chooses to, to um, bring some portion of it in. Mm -hmm. So don't rely too heavily. Rely upon your command of the facts, your command of your methodology, your command of your opinions, your command of the evidence, and your ability to tell the story. So there's clearly an added value uh, in being an expert who not only knows their stuff but can also present it com in a compelling manner, and, exactly. and don't you think? And don't you think like with this, like with this ability, this amendment can actually work to the advantage of experts who have this ability mm -hmm. to be a good storyteller? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Remember, the experts are going to have to tell the story to the judge in. The, the hearing at the beginning of the trial. Mm -hmm. the trial yeah, hearing. yeah, double shooting, yeah. Yeah. So the, there are more experts who are going to have to tell that story. That story may be in your report already, and the judge will look at it and, and say, look, mm -hmm. I see it, logically follows, it all makes sense. Um, there, the, the judge may go through the process of a hearing, um, but yeah, now keep in mind, if you have the opportunity, you as an expert, have the opportunity to persuade the judge even before the starting gun is shot. You know, yeah. even before, you know, the, the case in chief, the, the trial in chief starts. So there's an advantage there. Really? And much of it hinges on your persuasive abilities. Yeah. You've got to be, we assume that you've got the technical competence. We assume that you're an expert. We assume that you used methodology that meets the requirements of 702. Mm -hmm. 
we assume that you applied it logically, but you have to explain this. You're going to have to explain it in a way that the judge embraces it first. And then all of that is going to be presented again when the jury's on the witness, when the jury's in the jury box and you're on the stand. So and, uh, every, case, every case that I've had where there has mm -hmm. been a, a motion, a motion to exclude me pursuant to 702 or whatever basis, and we have the hearing before the judge and I give my testimony there, I give virtually the same testimony when the jury's there. Have to do it twice. Well, you know what? Going through it the first mm -hmm. time provides the expert with an understanding of what are the stronger points and what points maybe need to be firmed yeah. up and how they might present it a little differently during the case. So we can use it to our advantage. And let's say I'm an expert and I would, I'm would i really looking for resources on how to become a better storyteller. So do you have any advice for me? Where do I go? I, I understand that you do some, some webinars, some boot camps, and I believe like some introductory sessions are also available without a cost. So like, do you have any advice for an expert like me who's looking to be, get better at writing better reports and improving uh, my storytelling skills? First of all, my number one bit of advice is learn the art of storytelling. Mm -hmm. So you can take your testimony, your technical testimony, your, your more complicated, sophisticated testimony, the work that you've done and craft it in a way that it's an interesting story for the jury. Um, courses. Uh, I have a course that I developed along with a, a communications consultant, a jury trial consultant, um, a retired actor and theater instructor. Uh, his mm -hmm. name is Jesse Wilson. And he and I, uh, we, we have webinars that we present. We have a full day storytelling workshop. We have a two day storytelling boot camp for expert witnesses. The workshops and boot camps are for expert witnesses and the attorneys who present them. Mm -hmm. Because there, there needs to be yeah. a, you know, there, there needs to be a working relationship between attorney and, and the expert in order to be most effective. So, you know, I have, you know, my programs are, are available. You know, I teach them through a, a number of different organizations. Um, my company is Courtroom Bootcamp. Um, Jesse Wilson's company is Tell the Winning Story. He does a lot of work with the legal community. And mm -hmm. uh, we have programs available. And I mean, there are other programs available too, and there are other good ones available. And, um, you know, I would, I would suggest that, you know, if you have any questions, uh, I have no problem with anyone reaching out to me, phoning me, emailing me, whatever mm -hmm. works best. So, and, and what's, what's the best way to reach you? Like, I'm sure you have a website and you are, you're active on LinkedIn. So we'll put the website um, URL and your LinkedIn in the show notes. And would you, would you also be open to sharing your email and your phone number? My email is michael at kaplanforensics.com. Mm -hmm. My phone number 
is area code 818-599-2573. 818-599-2573. That's my cell phone. That goes right to me. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that's great, Michael. I'm not sure um, if it's, you know, like if it's going to stop ringing <laughs> anytime soon because... I love because the expert witness community, they really, really want to, you know, like wrap their heads around the amendment. So it's pretty clear that the amendment is here. Um, I've, I've already seen some opinions where the courts have started to apply the, the new amended rule 702. So this is an advice to every expert witness. Please understand how this changes you know, the fine points of how your testimony is going to work in court, be it your written report or the testimony you are going to give during a deposition or to the judge during a Robert hearing or, or later to the jury, because you still have to be persuasive to the jury, even if you have been admitted by the court. So storytelling and, and writing your report in a way that it's understandable is going to be of paramount importance. And any training that you can get, continuing education and ongoing training is always a great idea. You want to keep your knife sharp. So please feel free to reach out to us by email or by like dropping a comment uh, here on LinkedIn or on Spotify or wherever you are getting your podcast. For us, for Michael, Michael's already shared his uh, details with you. So if you, if you have any specific questions for him, do send, uh, do send them his way. And I'm sure he'll be happy to help. Uh, I think Michael, thank you so much for this discussion. It was really enlightening for me as well. And I'm pretty sure the experts and even attorneys who listen to this podcast will find it very useful. I really look forward to having you again on the show and talk more about the different aspects of expertise testimony in the future. Uh, it was it was great having you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure.